Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast and video series of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record of the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm Charles Kaufman, Senior Editor of Cargo Facts. Before we begin, I'd like to thank Cargo Facts subscribers and our sponsors. If you're not already subscribed, we invite you to start your free trial today at CargoFacts.com. The past few days have been an active period for engine-related incidents. On February 20th, a Pratt & Whitney-powered United Airlines 777-200 en route from Denver to Honolulu suffered an uncontained engine failure shortly after takeoff. The aircraft made a safe return to Denver. A separate incident involved a Pratt & Whitney PW4000-94 engine on a 747-400 BCF operated by Bermuda Registered Longtail Aviation. The engine failed shortly after takeoff from Maastricht Airport in the Netherlands and safely diverted to Liège Airport in Belgium after dropping engine pieces along its path. The Dutch Safety Board has started an investigation into the cause of the incident, but has not yet issued any directives. As for the 777-200, regulators have started calling for additional inspections, and Boeing has expressed its support for the suspension of the 69 in-service and 59 in storage 777s powered by Pratt & Whitney 4112 engines. 777 freighters, meanwhile, are all powered by the GE90 and are unaffected. I recently spoke to Jim Edgar, senior consultant of Cargofax Consulting, to revisit how the 777 ended up with a single engine option and discuss the level of thought engine manufacturers have historically given to freighters when designing power plants for new wide-body passenger models. Jim retired as Regional Director Marketing Commercial Airplanes for Boeing in 2017 after a 31-year career with the company. While at Boeing, Jim endeavored to understand cargo carrier needs to steer development for the 747-400 production freighter, the ERF, the 747-8 freighter, and the 777-F. Right, the 777-200 program launched in, in 1990 with three engine options from General Electric, Pratt & Whitney, and Rolls-Royce. And then by 1999, the, the GE90 was really the only option available. Jim, how did we get from three options to just one? Well, Charles, it, it was not a, a, a linear progression or a linear decision, but uh, um, to put kind of things into context, um, the, you know, the 777-200 entered service in 1995 uh, with the three engine options, and uh, uh, we, we stretched it to a 300 passenger version for capacity, and uh, it became apparent that the, we needed more capacity, and obviously in order to uh, have that happen uh, in terms of a range, proper range for our customer airlines, um, we needed uh, more powerful engines, bigger power plants. And so uh, at the time that uh, the uh, 777-300ER was being envisioned, um, uh, the various engine manufacturers were basically bidding um, and trying to meet specifications of the envisioned stretch and the envisioned longer range aircraft well the the freighter was part of that so um, we convened meetings in early 2001 with customers uh, specific freighter customers to find out what they wanted so that it, it played in there 
um, the freighter requirements for range, for lift capability on the, the 200 size <coughs> uh, fuselage <coughs> versus the 300. So um, it, uh, it, it's hard to separate out what drove what, but certainly the, the, uh, the freighter as envisioned um, was part of the consideration. And then uh, it became apparent that uh, uh, General Electric was, was going to be much more aggressive and uh, much more interested. And uh, so it kind of went from there. So the freighter was part of really um, the drive to uh, increase um, the lift capability of the kind of the new generation engine for the 777-300ER. Uh, and then, of course, also the 200LR was in there someplace, too. Okay, thank you for that. So certainly, even though the, the, the first 777 freighter was, was delivered years after that agreement between Boeing and, and General Electric, freighter cargo was a consideration, and um, that, that did factor into uh, some of those, those discussions back before uh, before that agreement was was reached, and yeah, absolutely. And and as we began discussion with customer airlines, it became apparent that uh, there was great interest in the triple seven freighter as envisioned, and uh, and that the requirements would be such that it, that there would be a new engine. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, General Electric, it's a um, it's a very complex competition among engine uh, manufacturers to get on an airplane, a new airplane, and uh, obviously besides meeting the specs that the manufacturer lays down, there's discussions with customers too on what their requirements are, and that's where um, we played in from the freighter standpoint of soliciting from freighter customers what did they want, what did they need in terms of range, what did they need in terms of weight. Uh, capability on the aircraft so it's all in there and obviously you can't because of the lower number of units and I think we're around 200 right now in service out of 2,000 777 airframes total but 200 are freighters um, you know it, it's usually someplace between 8 to 10 percent um, you would anticipate um, so freighters can't command their own engine type but it, it's one of the one of the considerations and uh, um, certainly engine manufacturers are very interested in uh, in meeting those needs because it is a significant market okay and would you would you say that this was true even of the the freighter models that preceded the triple seven freighter if we go back to uh, the the seven four seven four hundred uh, you know, was was cargo uh, an important consideration? Um, you know, when it came to evaluating and, and ultimately ending up with uh, three engine types on offer. Yeah, I think that um, there's always a tension when a manufacturer goes to uh, envision a new aircraft and and uh, establish requirements, and that is from a customer standpoint. Um, a customer airline, they want uh, competition among engine manufacturers to get a better price and to get something that's more tailored to their needs. But um, from 
the manufacturer's standpoint, uh, they just soon have uh, exclusivity on a particular airplane type for a number of reasons. Um, uh, and from an OEM standpoint, the manufacturer, the aircraft manufacturer standpoint, it's much easier to design interfaces if you only have one engine type to do that. Otherwise, you, you know, you might have different pylons, different nacelles, that, all the different things that have to go into to putting an engine on a wing. So, you know, there's a basic tension between what the customer airlines want, and of course, each customer airline has a different idea of what engine they want. So, you know, you don't want to lose a sale because you don't offer a particular engine type. So it, it's, it's quite, a, quite an exercise initially in determining. And uh, again, the, the freighter operators were just one aspect and one element, but a significant one. And uh, there were requirements that had to be met. But uh, for the 7-4, that had been around much longer. And I think right from the beginning, um, it was uh, anticipated that there would be uh, various engine types offered. Um, and uh, we wanted to continue that because we had so many customers that were likely candidates to replace their aircraft. And so we, we didn't want to lose any along the way. And every one of the engine manufacturers wanted to be, to be a player and maintain their position on the aircraft uh, with a good, you know, a good production run anticipated. So I, I think there were slightly different dynamics. Um, as I looked at the uh, the census for the triple seven, as an example, uh, I think uh, about 1,200 out of the 2,000 that are in service uh, have GE90 um, uh, on the on the aircraft. So General Electric was pretty significant right from the beginning of the program, and Pratt had the history. They had the the customer base, but uh, General Electric was pretty aggressive in approaching the triple seven, and and you know ultimately they commanded a, a, a dominant market share on that aircraft. So it was kind of natural that the triple seven would have uh, a single engine type, and our customers um, liked what was being offered on that or envisioned on that aircraft, and and uh, and GE wanted to wanted to uh, satisfy them. All right, and, and which factors are, are typically of greatest relevance to to cargo operators, um, particularly when when multiple engine options are available? Yeah, I think uh, for cargo operators would be uh, similar to passenger operators, but with some slightly different twists to it. But uh, uh, you know, the, the the if they meet, assuming that an engine offering meets all of the requirements. Um, of the aircraft manufacturer, um, and it's been accepted in the design phase. Um, obviously, fuel burn is going to be very important, and of course, that's a combination of both the engine and the airframe itself. But uh, maintenance, uh, cost, uh, intervals, uh, they aren't always the same depending on the engine type. Uh, commonality, if it's a combination carrier that has a large passenger fleet, they're going to they're going to want to maintain some commonality because usually the freighter fleet is significantly smaller than the passenger fleet size, so uh, they don't want to have separate engine types, separate maintenance programs, and so on. And the the most important one, Charles of all, 
is going to be cost. So, uh, um, you know, how aggressive is each of the engine uh, offerings uh, in in terms of price, and uh, how much are they willing to uh, to come around to the customers? Uh, uh, requests. So I think all of those play together in some form. Some are more important than others, but uh, fuel burn, maintenance interval, maintenance cost, commonality, and cost are all very important, especially now that with new uh, freighters, uh, utilization for both the passenger and the freighter fleet are very, very similar. So uh, um, you don't have aircraft sitting around. They're just too expensive. And uh, so you're going to have the very similar uh, considerations in terms of an engine selection for freighters uh, as you do for uh, passenger aircraft. That, that's an interesting point you make. So that divergence has has started to uh, to narrow in, in, in recent years and uh, certainly a complex decision, but uh, thank you for, for sharing your, your, your insight today, Jim. My pleasure, Charles, and uh, hope that this has been of uh, benefit to our listeners. That's all for today. To those of you listening, thank you for joining us on this episode of Cargovax Connect. For the latest on all things freighters and conversions, visit www.cargovax.com.